0: and thin hoops where ball is always life. I'm your host Karthik here with my co-host Nathan.
1: What's good, Nathan. What is good? We kind of just forgot to <laughs> wrap up the pod after after a bunch of summer activity um, We had like one episode we were gonna hear from you post Vegas trip and we just just literally did not realize that we had to keep recording and and so now we're back after like a two and a half week hiatus here.
0: The NBA players went on vacation shit i want on vacation so um yeah it has been a while i was like man when's the last time i talked to you so much has happened since then uh summer league and obviously a lot of nba news um it, the league is running 24/7 so there's always stuff to discuss so that's a good thing
1: yeah and we'll get into a bunch of that most recently uh of which uh the hit the news wire is that jalen brown is now the proud owner of the largest contract in nba history uh 5 year 304 million dollar supermax finally came through after A lot of just murmurs about what was going on, given how long it took to to put in place. We'll touch on that in a second. First, we got to shout out, uh, you know, Bronnie James, who went through a terrible kind of, uh, I guess, I I, I don't quite know exactly what happened. It sounds like he collapsed at practice at USC, had cardiac arrest, uh, was taken to the hospital, discharged later from the ICU. Sounds like he's stable, recovering, resting, but incredibly scary for an 18 year old of of his health and kind of peak physical fitness age everything uh not you know this happened to Sharif O'Neal uh Shaquille's son uh, I want to say maybe th- uh, four yeah. or five years ago uh before he was ready to get his college career started and I know it derailed him but hopefully Bronny's able to get back to 100% can't believe or imagine kind of that whole process. And, you know, after seeing DeMar Hamlin just a couple months ago, to see this again and like a, uh, obviously one of the the more, uh, ballyhooed prospects and son of LeBron, of course, but best wishes to, to him in the recovery.
0: Yeah, it's scary, man, as a kid to have to go through that. And, um, you know, it doesn't matter who your dad is, what your genes are, what medical, you know, attention he probably gets on a regular basis. This can happen to anyone. And, uh, Good to hear he's at least in stable condition and, and hopefully things will be good moving forward. But yeah, definitely scary. Um, and yeah, man, I don't know. Uh, hopefully everything's well, okay moving forward.
1: That's the crazy thing is as, as you know, ridiculous of an athlete and everything else as LeBron was, his son is going to be in an even better position just from a health standpoint at this age because he has now the money, the technology, the advantages, et cetera. So the fact that this still could happen is like, in a way, a wake up call to all of us who just probably live life in a much different sense than uh, you know, soon to be NBA player. But even even to to him, just kind of like life is precious. So, all best wishes in the in that. Um, okay, so let's move on to uh, the NBA news of the day. Like I mentioned, Jalen Brown, highest paid player in league history now uh, overtakes Nikola Jokic, who was on a five year, two hundred and seventy million dollars supermax. First things I want to say is like people have to understand how the NBA like CBA works and the salary cap works, because, you know, a lot of people were talking about 2016 when Mike Conley became the highest paid player in league history. When he signed, I think it was one hundred fifty three yep, million dollar contract. Mm-hmm. We've now doubled it up in, in about seven years. And in both instances, it was a good, not great player that received that contract. You'd probably say that Brown is better now than Conley was then. Guys, all this is is just a matter of who's been with their team the longest and when they are due for a new deal. So Jason Tatum will go ahead and break this next year. That being said, this is the first of these types of contracts under these new punitive rules of uh, the new CBA, second apron. We already saw teams making a lot of cost-cutting moves. The Celtics realized they really didn't have much leverage. They had to go all in and, and, and do this. Um. We can talk about things they could have done slightly differently with the contract, but they weren't going to let him walk for nothing. That's that's the bottom line. So let's start there. What you think of the deal um, maybe within the context of, of their position and then kind of building around the Tatum-Brown core, really, really locking in like no, nothing has ever been locked in before is, is this duo plus Porzingis now under long-term contracts?
0: I'd grown to expect it at this point. I think it was a lot of posturing, but I, everyone kind of assumed that all the signs were on the – all the writing on the wall said it was going to get done. So it was not surprising from that standpoint. I think the thing that makes this tricky is that the last year or two, we've heard grumblings from Jalen Brown. Um, On paper, I think it makes sense. Look, this is a team that's gone to the conference finals, gone to the finals. You're bringing the core back. They're young. Yeah, build around it. The the issue is we've seen this happen with some supermaxes already. If Jalen Brown got paid now and a year in, two years in, he's disgruntled you're not going to get the return for that that large of a contract. You're going to get pennies on the dollar back. And that's the concern. And you can never predict when a guy asks out, but I think there have been signs that if this team doesn't win soon, that pairing might get disrupted. And so that's the only cause for concern. But I guess when you're in Boston's position, I mean, this is the nature of the Supermax, and it's the reality. Like, you have to pay it and see how it turns out.
1: All that being said... And I don't disagree with it. Make no mistake, uh, Bradley Beal, please move aside. Uh, you now have got to give the reins to Jalen Brown as the owner of the worst contract in the NBA. This is a guy who is very good, who's probably the 21st best player in the league. I don't know where I had him in the last ranking, somewhere in that 18 to 25 range. He obviously made an all NBA uh, second team actually this year, which was deservedly so, but I saw some pretty, let's just say some pretty mean things online right now, today about his inability to go left. But I think it's true. Like it's such a strange thing because if you gave this contract to Donovan Mitchell, let's say, right. Who's a player I think is better than Jalen Brown net net. You're still probably in a massive overpay situation, but Mitchell can't get that kind of deal because he's changed teams. Just like we've seen so many guys have changed teams Brown, just like you know, John Wall and Bradley Beal, those are like tier two stars uh, when they receive the supermaxes, right? Like people forget, like Beal and Wall both came off all NBAs, same way Brown did, one time all NBA selections, and it creates because the supermax is almost like a detriment now to the team, the incumbent team. It creates this like hamstrung position where they know how much you can pay him, so even paying him what you. Could have paid him if he didn't make All NBA. Despite that itself being more than any other team could offer, is an insult. So the the number that I think that that Halliburton was uh, qualifying for, Anthony Edwards, et cetera, it was five years, two hundred sixty million, right? And to be clear, they didn't qualify for it yet. They just have a clause in their contract that it can go up to five for two hundred sixty. So that is the mid tier max. Five for three hundred four was the peak. So they could have done anything between two hundred sixty and three hundred four. In my opinion, I don't know why that was not part of the conversation. Like, why did we just assume this was a foregone conclusion?
0: You'd think, right? But I just think that the players, they hold too much. Boston really had no alternatives and they know it. And
1: and I think. Is he really going to walk from that, though? Come on. If five for 270 deal, Jalen Browns would be like, no, I'm going to pass up on that certainty and I'm going to test unrestricted free agency in a year with the promise of only going to make less than that. Come on
0: no or but at the same time boston to be, be
1: that pissed off that he's going to like ruin the culture and chemistry of the team but
0: i think boston can and the boston dies, they can stomach that extra whatever 5 6 million a year convince themselves it's fine just to lock this up and get it over with um you know are you really going to haggle between like it's not going to be 270 it'll probably the negotiations probably happening in the 280 290 at that point whatever just give them the money and then figure it out later uh so yeah i mean i don't it's expected it's funny to look at that number but then again conley like you mentioned when he got that big contract it was eye-opening too it's like oh conley's a good player now he's got the most viable contract in the league it's just a timing thing with these guys um you should be happy that the wizards finally shed themselves of that reputation because i feel like you had wall and then straight into beal so you've had like a nice little run of worst contracts
1: that, I, I will i would do what i don't want look i would be remiss if i didn't shout out my guy Ben Simmons who had briefly taken that over for a period of time as well once they threw the Beal no trade clause in he snatched it back you know Tommy Shepard was like wait a second is there a guy out there with the worst contract than one that I've given out it's unacceptable um so now Ben Simmons is probably third on that list I would say maybe because Beal never dropped his no trade clause people forget Phoenix asked him to waive it he said no um so he's gonna be there or be somewhere he wants to be for That's so still a bad contract um this contract was three or four million were you surprised there's no player option i mean at this point why not even throw that in for <laughs>
0: I, i'm not surprised by anything That's anymore true. man I, I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow find a way to pay him more 304 69 point. as, as three of bags. now
1: under current cap projections because this doesn't kick in till next summer right he's going to be on his normal 34 million or whatever yeah. he was making mm-hmm. this year so it's based on next year's cap figure as of now, assuming that goes up 10% from this past year, which is the max allowable per CBA, per the CBA per year uh, to avoid the Durant to the Golden State situation in 2016, he is slated to make $69.1 million in two thousand twenty eight twenty nine 2028-29 season. Um, and if for any reason he gets traded, it's a 15% trade kicker, trade kicker. on that which means you're looking at roughly close to or over $80 million in a, season. <laughs> in a season.
0: That's what I'm saying. If he gets traded, man, that's, uh,
1: I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, think about the salaries required to match that. Isn't I mean, insane. this is why, uh, the only reason why this, why I think people are not more just dumbfounded is because killing Mbappe is Uh, Saudi Arabian deal was leaked the day before. One year, $776 million.
0: Yeah, that's twice,
1: twice, uh, more than twice this contract over the course of a year. In Um, fact, I think it was more than the the, the highest 17 NBA players will make next season combined. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. In
0: classic corny fashion, LeBron had to go and make a joke about playing there. And then Draymond literally minutes later makes the same
1: joke. See, this is the problem, dude. Giannis had the perfect joke. It was sweet. It was kind of innocent. He posted that goofy picture of himself. Yeah. Yeah. And then LeBron, of course, ruins it, takes it to a whole level that was not necessary. But anyway, I don't, this is a LeBron criticism free pod. Uh, You know, I'm not going to take any shots at it. But so. So they did this deal. They now have, I think is Jason Tatum is scheduled to make a contract or receive a contract extension. Be surprised if he didn't, especially since they gave Jalen Brown the full boat, his contract next year is going to be five years, 338 million. Again, projecting two years of 10% increases in the salary cap. That means they're going to be paying these two dudes. I mean, like, at some point, Close north to of 150 like one hundred twenty, yeah, hundred, and then you throw in the fact that Porzingis is on a three for ninety six million dollar deal after he just re-upped for two for sixty on top of the thirty six he has. I mean, is this gonna work? Like, they still <laughs> don't have a point guard, by the way.
0: They don't. I don't know what they're gonna do on the edges, but um, yeah, I and- I don't know, man. I don't really, I really don't know.
1: And they did let Grant Williams walk, which is something that, uh, you know, had not happened when we had last recorded, they let him walk and it was clear that there was a salary cap move because they could have just taken back Reggie Bullock and that very potentially valuable 2030 pick swap with Dallas, you know, cause that could be post Luca Dallas and they chose not to at that, that pick swap and Reggie Bullock are in San Antonio. Um, so they made an active financial decision there knowing what was coming down the road with, uh, with Jalen Brown, as well as like the fact that between Porzingis, Rob Williams, Al Horford, those guys make, you know, on their own, they make like 60 million, 65 million a well, year. Yeah.
0: Think. I mean, you shed you shed Horford, Rob Williams, you let go. Like, you're going to have to restock with cheap young talent and hope it works out and just build around those guys. But, but I mean, I don't even know what these teams do these days with the second apron. Like, how do you, you know, in the past, fine. It you know, you go over the luxury tax, you pay the penalty, but now it's like it's so punitive um, after that second apron.
1: Well, you know the, the the really interesting thing, and I believe this is true, is that some of the penalties and most of the penalties, in fact, don't go into effect till next year's season, meaning like next summer, mm-hmm. because they obviously have to give teams time to like adjust yeah. and their their books are what they yep. are. Mm-hmm. So teams like Phoenix, right? Teams like uh, the Clippers. The Warriors and now the Celtics who are so far fucked on these rules, they can't get back under the second apron. So this is the last year they just gotta like do everything that's allowed now that was isn't gonna be allowed in twelve months. Yep. That's so whether true. Whether that's aggregating contracts, whether that's like, you know, trading picks, whether that's like taking on um, you know, exceptions, signing whoever, vetmins, buyout guys. This is the last year they can do it. And um part of the reason they gave all those guys the one plus ones is so that they would have some version of their bird rights, I think next summer, mm-hmm. right? Because otherwise you're not going to really be able to sign a lot of guys the way you could prior years. And, you know, the the Suns dumped campaign in what was essentially a salary uh, move. However, they created trade exceptions that, you know, they can use now and they might not be able to use in a year. Um, so that's why I think this is really interesting because you're not going to be like the the Hawks, for example, they clearly were avoiding the second apron by just trading John Collins, Collins. into cap space yep. for nothing. Mm-hmm. But these other guys are like, they're so far over. They just have no hope. So yeah, Boston so that has point. now added himself to that list. Double down. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, so Boston, I think, and we'll get into kind of where we see the power rankings currently standing in the East and West. Right. I mean, Boston is still right at the top, in my opinion. Um curious kind of where you have them numerically, but they're still amongst the, you know, handful of contenders in the East that are really gonna make noise next season. So he's still a great player. It's just a number that we just never seen. So it's always gonna be a little bit different, it's, especially like, you know, in our minds, we're dumb, so we just see the three in front of it. We have never seen a three. We've That's seen exactly. a lot of twos. And so now this is something different. Um And today, there's reports that maybe SGA might qualify for the first $400 million extension when he's eligible. Um, Okay. Before we get there, and I I think the big last dominoes to drop that clearly seem like it's not definitively going to be the summer, could stretch into the season, who knows? James Harden and Damian Lillard. Um, Neither trade request has been met to date. Both sides seem dug in in both situations. So let's start with the Dame situation. What what do you make of kind of Portland's options, their stance right now, and how you see this playing out?
0: Um, I think he's going to end up in Miami, but I think they're going to play hardball for a bit. So I I think it's going to carry into the season. I'm more curious to see how Dame handles it. Um, there's reports he won't show up to training camp. He's going to hold out. Love to see it. Love to see him tank his rep. Uh, I think ultimately the Miami is really the only suitor where it really makes any realistic sense. And as bad as the package is, I think people have soured on hero so much at this point. I think it's not great return, but ultimately you get a, you know, along with the picks, you get an asset that's relatively promising. I don't think any other uh, team is going to put up that kind of an offer, knowing Dame's request. So it's going to end up Miami. I just think they are going to let it drag into training camp, maybe into the season. Because if I'm Portland, I'm in no rush um, because they're, they're blowing this up anyway. Once the, the moment they set up, send out Dame. Um, so I don't know. I, I think this one won't get resolved anytime soon. And it'll be more interesting to see how Dame handles it once the season yeah. or training camp
1: starts. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the urgency to trade, Portland is like a 1 out of 10 on the scale, whereas Philly is probably like a 6 or 7 to find some resolution to Harden, whether that's convincing him to come back or trading him, because they have a team that could win a title, whereas Portland is trying to finish top three, and so if Dame doesn't play, that's just going to help them be terrible, right? Like, that's going to work in their favor. The question to me, I think, is, do they even want him back? Meaning... If he if they don't trade him by the start of training camp, is it best for him them to just like keep him home until a deal materializes? And at which point do you start rubbing up against like legacy kind of things where it's like Damian Lillard, like your franchise, you're all one of your all time greats, you're gonna pay him not to come home like not to come in like he's some malcontent. Like it's gonna be that's gonna get weird. I'm just curious if it's gonna be resolved by training camp. Because I think I think Maury is more likely to like just let this go than than uh the guys running Portland. However, Portland's timetable is much uh longer, let's say. So it's actually an interesting uh paradox there.
0: Yeah, Portland can pay him to stay home and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. They're going to tank. They're they're so bad compared to the rest of the West. I just mean like
1: optically. Like you think that like, I don't I mean I think really...
0: optically everything's been destroyed at this point. Like what does it matter optically? Like New Orleans, if you remember with Anthony Davis, they had the same dilemma and it didn't help them when he when he played. It was just kind of like this farce. So at the end of the day, they you know, they just send him home cuz when you know a player wants out, what's the it, I don't think it makes any difference. So you might as well protect his trade value and just keep him sitting. I don't think the situation can get any worse optically. And so if I'm Portland, you let it ride, right? And you tell him, "Yeah, sure, sit on the bench." I don't think Dame will like that cuz Dame doesn't like the optics of being the guy who's physically not playing. Right. Uh, he'll probably he position it as Portland told me not to play. I want to play, and there'll be some posturing there. But at the end of the day, like they, um, there's not going to be a better offer that emerges. I just don't believe there will be. So it's going to be Miami, and it'll happen, I don't know, relatively soon. I think with, with Philly, Philly I actually believe Harden has something to play for. Um, I think Harden actually is going to come and play suit up. And I think he'll actually ball out the first couple of games because he wants to, to show his value. He wants to be traded. Um, I think it's a little bit different situation and Philly, even though they, they can't afford to let, you know, get into this impasse with Harden for too long. Um, I, I think he'll be on the floor and while they try to figure out a trade, I think it's a little bit different than Portland's situation. So I think that one will resolve itself naturally. There's no, rush because Harden will end up playing
1: so you know one thing on the Harden piece that uh people do not seem to be talking about enough is like he is not only is in a way different stage of his career in terms of the pouting and the quitting that he did in Houston and then in Brooklyn where he was still thought of as like a top flight star so he's obviously in a different stage of his career from that standpoint he's actually not extension eligible because he picked up his player option. This is not one year left on a deal. This is the option year. And yep. so you're not extension eligible, which means he has to be on his best behavior, whether it's with the Philly team or with his new team, because if he knows this is his last really big deal, um, how many teams are going to trust him? Like, you know, I guess I say that, and Kyrie still got three for 120, but Kyrie didn't get the full max, right? And, and Kyrie's Kyrie- young. He's younger. You can talk yourself into that. Harden's on the decline. He's younger for sure. He's in more malleable fit on most teams. He's had playoff success in a way that Harden hasn't. And all that to be said, he did not get the full amount of money he could have gotten. So he clearly lost money because of his his availability concerns. And so Harden's going to be in an even more of a precarious position, right? Where he's not going to get the big contract he wants. Like, And if he's just going to cap space, he might end up playing in a team or an environment that doesn't have championship odds, which is a shitty way for a hall of fame player to like kind of wrap up his career, especially one without a title. So I, I do think from that standpoint, he's got to be a lot more careful um, than, than, uh, than he has been in the past. But then again, who knows, like, to your point, it's like player empowerment, who gives a shit, like you'll just do whatever you want you <laughs> you get your way. And that's how it's gone for him thus far. Why wouldn't it work again? And that's might be what he's thinking.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, but to your point, like he's playing for that contract. He knows he doesn't have much earning potential left. So they'll figure it out. I, I wonder, though, do you think, like, if you had to guess right now what the destination will be, do you think it'll be the Clippers or it'll be somewhere else, if I gave you equal odds?
1: And somewhere else, sorry, does that include Philly? No. I think Clippers. They get it done. And I actually think there's a team that's fairly interesting if Maxi is the star that they seem to think he could be. Um, if you add like a Norm Powell, Norm yeah. Powell, Terrence Mann, you know, maybe Batum, maybe Covington, bring him home to restart. You round the out process. the depth. Yeah, there's an argument to be made that if Maxie is a is a guy like that, and him and Embiid are like the two main guys, you still have Tobias Harris. That could work. They won't be as top heavy as they were cuz Harden's obviously better than all those guys individually but you could argue maybe they're more balanced they're a little healthier they're a little bit more of an easier fit right than like the dribble 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 pick and roll game that Harden forces you into a lot of times um but then you just lose i mean the talent doesn't hold up versus like a Boston and Milwaukee and i think that's the problem I would still say Clippers. I think they get it done. I have literally have no idea where else he would go. Yeah. That makes <laughs> I don't sense. Know
0: other team was gonna make, the, who, yeah, who
1: make that. Who would trade for him right now? Like every other team that's competing is completely set. Yeah. Right. I don't. Like I don't just, and I'm Houston say, was like,
0: the one place, but I after their moves, I don't think so.
1: You know that doesn't make sense either. So like Orlando kind of needs a point guard, but they also just took Anthony Black. They also like very very yeah. Friendly. They're not gonna trade for four year old James Harden. Yeah. Or like, um, you know, Toronto, right? They lost Fred VanVleet. Yep. Maybe. That could be an interesting one. Like, maybe they can get in there. but they I just don't know what Toronto's coach. doing. I right. just
0: don't know whether they want to blow it up, whether they don't. They're in this weird, and, you know, they finally Force got rid of Nurse. Right. You'd think they'd actually be willing now to hit that reset button, but I don't know if they're going to do that. So. Well, yeah, I don't know. I'm tired of Harden, man. I am so sick of it. And I'm even yeah. sick of the Sixers team. I was rooting for the Sixers team, and I got – it's like the hardest team to root for.
1: You had game <laughs> six at home, and you were up in the fourth yeah. quarter. So yeah. there's really no excuses at some point. And I know I've been hard on Embiid, and he has not been good. Like you can look yeah. at his playoff track record. it's The numbers are bad. The, the the availability is bad, and at what point does that start to matter? Yeah, and he's me?
0: an MVP now, so, you know, you have
1: to have higher expectations. And Yeah, I'll always go back to Game 5 versus Atlanta. They were up 25 at home and lost. So, yes, everyone talks about the Ben Simmons passing up on the dunk in Game 7, et cetera, but they were up, like, a million points and lost on their home floor to a very substandard Atlanta team. So, you know, I'm kind of tired of... The Embiid doesn't have enough help and all this stuff. Because it's probably true to an extent, but it doesn't mean he wasn't put in positions to win. Uh, He didn't come through. So, um, last thing I'll say on Dame quickly, just to bounce back there. I'm doing what I said I think the media does to us, where we talk ourselves into packages based (laughs) on the team offering them. Yeah. But I'm starting to be like, I feel like is the Miami package underrated now? That's what I'm saying. I it's think it's underrated. Bad. It's it's like Stockholm syndrome though, where like yeah. you spend enough time with a package and then you start it starts to look good. The best is Chris Mannix coming on the Ricillo pod, crushing the Miami package, and then being like, I think Boston could get him and it wasn't involving Jalen Brown. It was like Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, whoever else, and like Peyton Pritchard in like three first. Oh my god. It's like, <laughs> food. This is the definition of three, you know, t- thirty cents on the dollar. So, I mean, I
0: think what's tantalizing about Hero is he's so young. He's what twenty one? No, no, no,
1: he's like twenty three, twenty four. He was in like the bubble, dude. He's twenty three. Fine,
0: but that's still extremely young for a guy who's got what five seasons under his belt now. Yeah, uh, four seasons.
1: Four seasons. Yeah,
0: four seasons. So, um, you I mean, bank on pe- that, and that's what you people know.
1: are saying about Jordan Poole, by the way.
0: Yeah, but pool. I, I think with the thing with hero is that um, I was just kidding, by the way. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're similar, but like you can take a chance
1: on on Tyler Hero. Uh, I like understand the, I why it doesn't make sense for Portland to take him because they have Sharp, Simon, Scoot, and where does Hero fit into that? But I kind of think that Simon's is best served as a sixth man. So if you started Scoot, Hero, Simon's brought si- uh, sorry Scoot. Hero, uh, sharp and brought Simons off the bench, it would work, but I don't know what they're looking for. Like, they don't seem to want him because of the contract, I think. But it's like, who else are you paying? I mean, you have Jeremy Grant on this, like, <laughs> really regrettable five year, $160 million deal. Um, and then after that, you would make the thing is, you have to make them take Nurkic, and then I be, think it becomes a little bit more palatable. If oh, it's like yeah. Nurkic and Lillard. You put lowry in the deal You put hero maybe you put robinson Hami but Hopkins. then
0: yeah see that's the thing the contracts get tough to match up at that point you're throwing then the heat are throwing a bunch of players that they don't want to give up
1: right they're, they're trying the to keep that depth. someone on the court right
0: yeah so i don't i don't think they're going to part with lowry and and robinson especially with robinson kind of turning a, a leaf in this postseason yeah
1: um yeah okay so we'll see what happens uh you know, we have a midway checkpoint right now. Uh, we're going to do some power rankings here in a second. For the record, we are assuming for now, because we don't know any different. Let me know if you thought about the same way. But Harden is on the Sixers. Yep. And and uh, Dame is on the Blazers. Yeah. Yep. Or did you put him on the... Because I don't think he's going to be on the Blazers, but I don't know exactly. I'm, I'm the
0: taking like this expected value approach. Okay. we like yeah,
1: yeah. 50%, 50% kind of. Fine. Okay, fair. Um, I have some kind of wild rankings, especially in the West, which you're not going to love. Um,
0: oh, that's good. I, I, mine are actually not wild enough, and I tried convincing myself to take some bigger leaps of faith.
1: The West is one of the hardest but things I've ever done. I'll
0: here's the thing, way. right? How are we doing? Is this rankings that we think they'll finish the regular season at or rankings going in as contenders? Because those are very different.
1: I did regular season only because it was like it's weird to rank like the Wizards versus the Pistons as far as title contenders. Like neither of them matter at all. So I just did like how they're gonna and finish the regular season,
0: assuming full strength.
1: Yeah, like I was nice to nicer to the Pelicans than they probably. Well, no, I was kind of mean to the Pelicans, but I was nicer to the Clippers than their health typically deserves. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Let's let's go through this. So maybe in my I subconsciously did kind of throw a fifty percent expected value of Harden on the Clippers with this ranking. But all right, let's start <laughs> okay. in the East because the West was just a total bloodbath. Um, I'll give you my top six, and we'll call that like, you know, no
0: go for go. Uh,
1: three. I'm going to shock you right at number two.
0: Go three at a time.
1: Okay. So I have Bucks one. Okay. Cleveland Cavaliers
0: number
1: 2. Okay. And Celtics 3. Okay. Um next th- do you want to you want uh, keep going?
0: Why don't I talk to my 3 and then we'll, we'll we'll talk
1: about it. Okay.
0: I've got Bucks 1, Celtics 2, Sixers 3. That's kind of chalk how boring. it was last
1: year. Yeah, it was boring.
0: I'm curious explain so Cleveland I I wanted to put Cleveland up there. I actually thought the, I mean, the playoffs always expose teams a little bit, but I think that exposed a lot of their weaknesses and, and provided kind of better ways to play them moving forward and, and put some, some doubt on that Jer Allen Mobley pairing. And I don't know. Mobley's progress is not as linear and as kind of yeah. steady as I thought it would be. Maybe it jumps this year. So I hesitated putting them in the top three, but I want to hear your logic.
1: So, agreed that the playoffs were, like, extremely embarrassing. uh, No doubt about it. They did have the second-best point differential in the East during the regular season behind only Boston. They played well against Boston and other good teams, and so they had some top-end level games. It wasn't like they were just beating up only on bad teams. I took it like this. They couldn't shoot outside of their, like, two guards who are a little bit of streaky shooters, right? Because they're off the dribble creators. They went and dressed that with Max Struess with George Niang, who, you know, Struess especially was an overpay, but whatever. This was the last time they could really like use that money before Mobley's extension comes up, uh, Donovan Mitchell's extension eligible, et cetera. So you got to spend it somewhere. So I thought they did a good job building a roster that made a little bit more sense. And I was thinking, I was like, dude, they were so dominated on the glass by the Knicks. They got punked so hard that how much of it was a little bit of jitters. I think it was first playoff experience for definitely for Mobley and for Garland. Um, and I want to say, I think Jared Allen was on that Suns team that, uh, sorry, the Nets team that was like uh, the happy-go-lucky Nets team, but really first time in a high leverage situation for him in a few years. And I just feel like they just got scared at the moment and there's going to be improvement. Garland's going to get better. Mobley should get better, although I would like him to get better at a faster pace. I just think they're going to be a really, really good regular season team, and I could see them playing their guys and winning mid-50s.
0: I think the offseason season additions of Struess and Yang, perfect for a team like that, where you make enough moves around the edges, you bank on the continued growth of your young guys. Um, absolutely. My concern with them is simply... I don't know. I could see them being three. i I'd, I'd rather have the Sixers because if I'm banking on Harden being there, I'm banking on that that same team, that same infrastructure that's been a regular season juggernaut for a while. Embiid has been relatively healthy now the last couple of seasons. I don't think there's any reason to believe that they will not be just as good in the regular season this year. Um, there's also that, that MVP pressure is gone. That narrative is gone. I think, uh, and, and Maxi, I think another year of his development. I'm willing to bet on that a little bit more, but to me, those were very close to being interchangeable. But yeah. I, I still think Boston's ahead because Boston, to me, um, Smart lost, Grant Williams lost. You talk about the defense. I think from a culture perspective, I think they needed to get rid of one of those guys, Marcus Smart. There's a lot of reports that have come out about just the some of the clashes from a leadership standpoint. I think by getting Marcus out, bringing in a guy like Porzingis, who's now going to open up that offense and it's not going to get as stagnant as it typically does. Um, I think that'll help them offensively where they lose defensive, uh, kind of their defensive presence. So I think they're going to be a regular season juggernaut once again. And I think defensively they still have enough to be really good. So I keep them at two and I bring Philly at three and Cleveland will actually be number four for me.
1: A little upset by the way you didn't talk about the addition of Imani Bates uh for <laughs> Cleveland who seems like who carried them to a summer League championship but that's okay I'll let that one slide I, I saw just, him I'll,
0: play at summer League by the way um in the small arena like up close he he's like the way he moves the way he just operates is very tantalizing but he just doesn't he's he one plays one of those guys like with it's decision at decision making
1: Park. he plays like it's at Rucker Park and he's just like yeah even when he shoots like crazy threes, he doesn't even hold the release. He just like jacks it up like yeah. it's like trying to get the crowd going.
0: It's like yeah, that's not gonna work. Like it 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 the sizzle's there, and people were definitely ooing and eyeing at some of the things he did. But there's no structure to it, and so I just don't trust. And he's always been like that. He's been like that since high school, and I don't yeah. know if it's gonna translate. So I think he's a a good pick at that where he went, but I don't have high hopes.
1: It reminds me of Glenn Rice Jr. in 2014, won Summer yeah. League MVP, ton of flash. It. You're like, oh my God. Granted, he had some like other issues, though Amani has some off-the-court stuff too, but that's, that's kind of the vibe I got when I was watching him. Amani um, at least has the the high school pedigree, right? He was supposed to be yeah, like a phenom. He was the number one player in the country. Yeah. And he reclassified, I think, went to Memphis, was totally... I also heard that his dad is like, too much involved like on the sidelines and you can't pull that shit in the NBA so hopefully yeah. like that level of distance kind of helps a little bit but yeah um quick note on the Celtics we already talked to them about them a, a bunch and I have the Sixers four as well so agreed with them that they're going to be really good still here's my issue with the Celtics aside from like uh the personnel changes that weaken their like just ball handler playmaker level even more despite smart not being like the prototypical guy Porzingis Tatum, Brown are all players who predominantly just get their own shot. And I just think the ball is going to struggle to move. People keep – people being Bill Simmons keep talking up Derek White. Like, they, he literally had Derek White higher on the trade value than Trey Young. And so I'm pretty sure, like, that is not who this guy is. He had a nice season, and he's a fine player. But, like, let's pump the brakes. Secondly, Malcolm Brogdon, Porzingis and Rob Williams are all just complete uh, Mr. Glasses, right? So those three of your top six players, you have Al Horford who's like 37 next year who probably is not going to be logging full season, full minutes. And even Jalen Brown, a lot of people don't really think of him as like someone who misses time. But he's had some stretches where he's been out too. And it's really like Tatum and Derek White are the two quote-unquote Ironmen in their lineup. After that, it's like a lot of availability uh, risks, let's call it.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a house of cards, I feel like, where things, a couple injuries here and there um, can kind of derail them. Especially even early on, chemistry-wise, figuring out what those lineups will look like. Um, It is a radically different, considering they've had the same core six, seven guys with Smart for so long, there will be some growing pains. Um,
1: It's a fascinating risk. I mean, I, I loved Porzingis last year in D.C. He was awesome. It's just such a for a team that was that close to make those level of changes is pretty unprecedented. I feel like, you know, to your point, while keeping the same core, it's not like Mm -hmm. they upended the whole roster. Um, Okay, four I have Sixers, so we have the same top four different Mm -hmm. orders. Here's where I got a little freaky. Five, I put the Knicks. Mm. Six, I put the Heat.
0: I put Miami at five. And I had the six at Knicks, but then uh, the Knicks at six, I bumped them down to seven. Mm. I'm putting I the Hawks the, up there. I love the Divincenzo pickup, and I, I okay. That, that's the I think the, the problem with the Knicks is they didn't do anything this off season. DiVincenzo's your their flagship signing. He, I actually don't think he's that good of a player at all. I saw him in Sacramento. I don't think he's as good as Golden State makes everyone look good. So they always pipe, you know, pump up their guys. You know, there's a stretch where Kelly Oubre looks solid on Golden State. It's all smoke and mirrors. I think their problem, well, they lost Obi Toppin. Uh, I mean, Derrick Rose wasn't getting minutes at the end, so that wasn't a huge loss. I just don't, I think Tom uh, Thibodeau's teams have this, like, on and off, like, cycle. I have to go back and look at the evidence. But, the, you know, the first year in New York, they were really good. Then they took that step back. That last year, they were good again. I think Randall's due for another down season. I just don't think there's enough on the roster to make them to convince me that this is a team that's going to leap into the top four or five. And I'm more willing to bet on Atlanta with mm-hmm. Quinn Snyder with, I don't think John, I mean, John Collins was a good player, um, but I think kind of shaking that roster up a little bit year two of DeJounte. I think that is going to be a more dependable team in the regular season than New York. And, and uh, what's his face? RJ Barrett. Yeah, I don't know. Again, in the postseason, I was hoping to see something new, something I feel like different. he Picked
1: it up. He picked it up in the playoffs. That's one of the reasons I have him at five. Is like, he did? He did. But no, he faded those
0: Arkansas. last couple of games. Though he did pick it up in the first. Who, like who ap- doesn't?
1: That's tough. Those are tough games at the end there. Yeah. Anyways, that's
0: why I put. I mean, they're seven for me. Randall's and six ankle Miami's injury.
1: Fine. How about Randall's ankle injury that you've just completely <laughs> avoided?
0: I d- Randall, I don't. I just. I don't like Julius Randall.
1: They didn't do a lot. It's interesting. They basically traded Obi Toppin for um, for DiVincenzo. Um, we'll see what they end up doing with the Evan Fournier contract, if they'll be able to get anything out of worth of that. Probably not. Um, and, yeah, they're bringing back the same core. The Heat, I was wrong about them last year, but they did finish 8th. Um, miracle run of the finals. This is the year that they're going to fall off if they don't get Dame. Now they've, again, last year they lost one starter, P.J. Tucker, added no one. This year they've lost two starters, Gabe Vincent and uh, Max Strews. If they don't make the Dame trade, they've once again basically added no one. Throw in the fact that they lost Oladipo. Um, they are going to get Hero back, uh, but they had him back all, re- all regular season. It didn't do anything. So I'm counting on the Heat. This is without Dame at six, maybe lower. In fact, I'm moving the Hawks up to six. You talked me into the Hawks as a top six team. They were, uh, I mean, they
0: were good with Quinn Snyder at the end of the season,
1: right? They were. They like were. That, that's what way, I'm banking on. I think the Collins loss is fine. Like, yeah, he was, he was like averaging like 12 points a game, and he, <laughs> his name and contract were bigger than his production. It unlocks more time for DeAndre Hunter at the four. Gives them a better, more, more interesting look with like Bog Bogey. Uh, hunter murray and young playing small or going big playing hunter at the three playing like a kongwu with capella or are the kid from um what's jalen johnson he mm-hmm. could get some minutes i actually like what they've done um i'm moving the heat to seven
0: the thing with miami is like dude you talk about Struz and vincent i mean two years ago you didn't give a shit who those guys were so like i you know highsmith will come out like they'll have guys who replace that production and I, I told you i'm banking in let's say 50 of that being dame
1: um they were an eight seed last
0: year. 8 or 9? 8. They were
1: a 7 by the... Well, eight, 7. 8 at the regular season, but then they won. And, the and
0: they were a 1 seed the year before, and I think their natural position is just going to settle somewhere in that 4-5 or five range.
1: No, they were... Oh, the Heat, sorry. 8 last year, 1 the year before, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the Hawks. I was getting confused. Okay. So I have Sixers, Knicks, Hawks. You have six uh, Cavs, Heat, Heat. Hawks. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, so then give me your seven, eight, nine.
0: Knicks, Pacers, Bulls.
1: Interesting. So our top 7, 8 is right. So I have Heat at 7, Pacers at 8, Magic at 9. Ah, they make the leap. What do you like about the Bulls? This is a depressing team that I think is going to blow it up at the deadline. Yeah, I actually don't know what I like about the Bulls. Um, I don't know why I put them this
0: high. Actually,
1: they have two stars, right? But then, like, they didn't really add anything. They added Javon Carter, which is like a meh signing.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you right now, this is probably a mistake. Um, you know, Lonzo's not coming back this year. Yeah, they've already been said, cited. They pretty
1: much said, which is crazy.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I this team is it's you know, when they're fully on, and I know that's usually been with Lonzo, um, they've, they've got some young pieces. I would assume they, they re-upped on, you know, him. They've got Levine. They've got talent that I, I just, I find it hard putting them 10th or 11th in this pecking order because the teams below them, who I have the Raptors, I assume that they're a more likely candidate to blow it up. I think Chicago's more committed to this core
1: than the Raptors are to theirs. The Nets, Um, the magic you're missing to me. I have the Nets 10th bulls 11th.
0: The Nets also don't inspire me with much confidence. They were not that great down the stretch as good as Mikel bridges. I think they're, they're exciting team because they've got all these wings and they're loaded with assets, but, and Ben Simmons workouts and Ben Simmons workouts. But Ah, yeah, you could argue any of those, but I just put the bulls because they're committed to a core and committed to these so-called stars
1: that I think it'll be good enough to be a ninth seed in the, the uh, Eastern. The call. thing about the Bulls is all of their moves make sense on their own. Is like in a different franchise. When you put the collection <laughs> of them together, it's like, like Bucevic, this- three for sixty extension is it was, totally reasonable. Very reasonable deal. He's a good player. Twenty million is like nothing in today's NBA. He's averaging seventeen and eleven. He couldn't really shoot last year, but then you add in everything else. It's like they kept DeRozan, they kept Levine, they kept Caruso, they kept Patrick Williams. Like they signed. Resign Andre Drummond, like nothing. I don't know what the plan is because there's no way they could have looked at that team last year and said, this is going to start working. But they played well down the stretch. Again, it's very, very risky business to make much of April trends because that's when teams start to tank, teams start to rest. But that's when Zach Levine finally looked healthy post-offseason uh, surgery. So maybe they've just convinced themselves that and,
0: – And you can bet on that same late-season bump this year because they're going to be gunning for it when other teams start to – kind of tank mail it in they they're committed to this core like you don't run back a team like that yeah unless you're convinced it can be a play-in team and you're going to do everything to make the plan so that's yep. why i put them
1: at nine um pacers really quickly we both have them at eight super interesting they have to win they're ready to win or at least be competitive uh they were competitive when halliburton played last year when he got out they lost like 10 straight immediately and then that pretty much sunk them for the season Obi Toppin's an interesting ad. They obviously get another full season of Matherin healed.
0: Bruce um, Brown.
1: And Bruce Brown was the big signing. Who's going to fit perfectly into that lineup. Um, Turner was extended. So he's finally out of trade rumors momentarily. It feels like they have what they need to at least go 500 or maybe slightly better. And if Halliburton is t- truly a star, which is what he's being billed to be, we'll see what he does for team USA this summer. I think they've got to be uh, at the top end of that playing mix.
0: Yeah. It, this one's a hard for me because, um, they, they solved a lot of their issue, a lot of issues in the offseason. secondary playmaker, which they really struggled without when Halliburton was off. Bruce Brown can be that guy in that second unit. I don't know. He can, he's probably going to play a more, a bigger role with this team. Obviously they're paying him like that. Um, I just don't think they have enough top end talent. Like what? Buddy healed, like Miles Turner. You're still gonna rely on the same cast of characters. Yes, play in for sure, but I don't see them cracking top six yet. Yeah. And Halliburton for all his leaps that he's taking as a player, um, of course, I, I'm you can say I'm salty or whatever. I just everyone acts like this guy's gonna be a 30 ten guy. And I don't I don't know if he's gonna hit as high of a
1: ceiling as everyone sees for him. So well, I think we'll with see. him, his, his best attribute is his weakness in a way that he is so unselfish that it's hard to be a tier one star because you have to be pretty selfish at, at, to, to sort of carry a team. Like if they need him to take 25, 30 shots on a given night, he hasn't really proven that he wants to do that, is willing to do that, is capable of doing that over and over again. The way like you see some other guys being able to drag their team forward. He reminds me of like a supercharged version of what Lonzo could have been, where it's like super unselfish, like moves the ball, finds the right person, amazing vision, good shooter. You know, Halliburton's a better shooter. He's 50, 40, 90 pretty much every year flirting with that. I just, I don't see how he can average like 25. Maybe he, maybe he he can that leap, but.
0: I mean, like to me, he's prime. He can be like prime Steve Nash, right? Where Nash could be depended on as a scoring threat when needed, and he could hit the three and shot good percentages, but wasn't always looking for a shot. Right. I just don't know if that archetype in today's league is going to get you. They're going to be very good, but all the top teams, their top guy is a scorer, is mm-hmm. a pure scorer. Um, and can Halliburton get a 30 a game? I don't know or 25, 27, 28, maybe he doesn't need to, but I just think that the archetype of just being a really good pl- passer and a you know pretty good scorer, I don't think it carries you as far as it used to. So that, that's my only concern, but you know he's so young and so talented that yeah.
1: he could be anything. I mean, he's better than I thought, that's for sure. Oh, I mean, he's playing. better than, yeah. His
0: leap this year was amazing. He was incredible.
1: So, okay, so who'd you have 10th? I had the Nets. I had the Raptors.
0: And, and that I'm banking on the fact that they may not like they may just keep this roster together. And they're yep. still even without Van Vliet, there's enough talent to to
1: sneak into the play. in. And so do you have the magic 11th?
0: 12th, but I actually I, I was too low on them. I keep I should have probably put them 11th over the nets, but I wouldn't have them higher than
1: 11th. Oh, I, OK, sorry, sorry. OK, so you went 10 to 15. You went Raptors nets magic for 10 11 12 okay yeah i went nets bulls raptors and then what's your bottom we don't have to spend a bunch of time on it but how did you how did you solve the bottom of the east
0: charlotte detroit washington
1: yeah i had this uh,
0: washington actually could be better than detroit i think detroit might be a train wreck but
1: can we talk about like we don't have to talk about but cade like i d- like does anyone care that he's the number one pick like i feel like i keep saying this but like
0: he's probably the least post- talked about
1: it's one so pick strange. In, in a he, while. He, and given he,
0: that he hasn't been a flat-out bust, right? And Otherwise, then looking- you garner a lot of attention. I don't, it's weird that no one talks about him. But he's... that team is just irrelevant, man. He was injured for a good chunk. Um, it's hard to make sense of just what they're about and what Did he, he play
1: last year? Yeah, he played 12 games. So yeah, he
0: barely played. So that's why. He just kind of fell out of our collective... Memory. So his,
1: his rookie year, he was 17-6-6, six six, but then he didn't shoot the ball very well. 42% from the field, 31% from three. The concern I have here in year two, I know it was only small samples. He was 26-6, and six, so a little bit uptick on scoring, but mostly just by more volume. He, again, shot 42% of the field, shot actually worse from three. So not really sure yet what he is and hasn't really been talked about. So anyway... The Wizards might be interesting. I mean, they're going to be kind of fun to watch at times because Kuzma and Poole will light it up, and they're going to be atrocious on defense is what I guess. Tyus Jones could be good. We'll see what he looks like as like a full-time starter. So they have some like kind of interesting guys, but by and large, that team's going to suck, and I think they're set up to do so.
0: I think you just spin a wheel between Charlotte, Detroit, and Washington, and they could all finish in different orders. There's an argument to me. To me, they're all pretty much identical.
1: Charlotte's the one I am keeping an eye on of like some upside potential, just because Miles Bridges is going to be yep. playing for his NBA future. You have PJ Washington probably coming back on a one year prove it deal. Very strange to have two young forwards both on QOs, um, but that's might be how it shakes out. You have Brandon Miller. We'll see what he can give them, and then in theory a full season of Lamelo. You still have Hayward. You still have Rozier. Maybe. The, yeah, there
0: is a lot of talent, so that's why I have Charlotte thirteen. But
1: there's a lot of talent, but they're 13th. Um, (laughs) all right, let's go to the West. is deep, man. It's crazy. It's like the the, the West is absolutely insane. Like,
0: I I would play with Charlotte in 2K, and they're the
1: 13th best. When was the last time you'd play with the 13th best team in a conference? It's true. The talent in the NBA right now, which is no seen no truer than in the West and trying to rank those teams, is out of control. Yeah. All right, in the West, let's do it this way. Do you have the Nuggets first? Yeah. And do you have uh, Phoenix second? Yeah. And that's that's why
0: I asked the health question because a regular season question, because Phoenix to me may not be the two seed, but they're definitely the second most second. Yeah. okay,
1: Right. I'm with that. Whether or not they finish two because of load management or whatever else, I do agree that there's a second best team. So I'm good with the Suns there. And, you know, Nuggets obviously defending champs up top. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be. I could make a real argument and I had to put them in some order, but I could make a real argument that the next eight teams are in one tier for me. Maybe I'd break it up into two and two, but I don't even know exactly how they all fit together. Like I'm not quite saying that thunder and the Lakers have the same odds of fit it being number three. I'm just saying if it came in a situation where the thunder were seven and the Lakers were eight because of injuries, it wouldn't shock me. Right. And so this is the crazy thing. I'm going to just give you all these teams in order. Okay. you can, Tell me who your three to ten is, but this is right. Three Clippers, four Warriors, five Mavericks, six Lakers, seven Timberwolves, eight Grizzlies, nine Kings, ten Pelicans. And I guess, sorry, I did put the Thunder at 11, so they would be out of that group. And I still don't even believe the Thunder are going to miss the play again, so I'm not sure what to do. Or we'll miss it. They made it last year, so.
0: I have so much Something to say about that. Mine Something is very is different. All right, what do you have? I'm assuming health, right? I'm Well, actually, I'm, I'm inconsistent because <laughs> there's a team in here I did not factor well, in. Well, no,
1: because here's what, here's what I think about it, right? Like, the Pelicans, they don't get the benefit of health. They don't they're agree. never, ever healthy. The Clippers, you could argue, also should not get it, and I agree, but I just think Kawhi and PG, if they give us 55 games apiece, there's a chance in that they could be really special. So
0: Okay, so my three is Lakers, and I give them okay. the, the full benefit of health just because they've got a, a really good roster after. Right. Um, right. Um, number four is the Kings. <laughs> number five is the Grizzlies number Even 6
1: without job ja for 25 games.
0: You trust the infrastructure, Mark is Smart, they'll survive. Okay,
1: sorry, I don't want to cut you off. 6
0: is Warriors. 7 yeah. is Clippers. 8 is Mavericks. 9 is Timberwolves. 10 is Pelicans. So 10 I've got Pelicans as well.
1: So we are aligned on one of the one of those 8 teams, Pelicans at 10.
0: Yeah. And I've got Thunder at 11, just rounding that out. So we're both 10 and 11 is the same.
1: I just feel weird, and you have Jazz at twelve, I assume.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
1: let's, let's build some consensus here at the bottom. Out of curiosity, we can get to the middle. But who do you have at the end? How do you have you? How do you have the last three teams? Portland, go...
0: Houston, San Antonio. Mm,
1: okay, so maybe and, and Portland. My expected, my expected value was Dame was gone, so I did. Houston, Portland, San Antonio.
0: Houston's just so young and raw that I could see Portland being better. But yeah, those are interchangeable. But they
1: just signed Van Bleed and Dylan Brooks and spent like trillion dollars doing so. So I figured they would that would give gotta give them some boost. That's true. That's true. Yeah, maybe you can switch them.
0: But that I you know.
1: Okay, so most interesting lineup. So Kings. They're your squad, so I get it. But
0: no, I'm not always but here's the thing. I'm not always confident on the Kings. I am very confident now, seeing how everything's shaken out.
1: Given that they made pretty minimal changes to their roster, added Chris Duarte, signed that kid from Europe, you know, pretty much brought back Harrison Barnes and the crew, what is this Keegan Murray development? Is this Jaren Fox development? What's giving you this much uh, confidence it's, now?
0: It's three things it's uh, Keegan Murray development, which I think is more promising than I originally thought, and he could be a bona fide number three stud. Um, it is defensive improvement. I think when you're with this. A defensive coach like Mike Brown and a young team, the second year is where you start to see, especially when you have the same exact roster brought back, I think there's a connectiveness. We saw it in the playoffs. They were very good defensively in the playoffs. If anything, they struggled offensively. Um, and I think the third thing is they made relative, you know, tooling around the edges that helps the depth, even when, like, I know we had injury, very few injuries last season. I think Visenkov. Duarte, Noel, those are all good additions that fit within our system, fit within our team that'll help us buffer any in, in injury issues. So, all those three things, I think we're just we have a lot going for us and I don't think we're going to blow things up. Like, I think a lot of these other teams are in the Clippers could enter a crisis mode. The Lakers could see Anthony Davis out for the rest of the season. The Warriors could enter a, a a moment of crisis i just don't think the kings i think they have the most stability out of all these teams so that's why i'm putting them fourth
1: they have the most stability i think they also had a magical season of health um magical season of continuity mike brown year one new new uh, energy to me De'Aaron fox and you're not gonna love to hear this but De'Aaron fox is the only guy on that team that I put into the caliber of star that some of these other players have had. And really, if you look at it, like the best version of the Mavericks have two guys who are better than Fox even, right? The best version of the Timberwolves, maybe that's about even right where, but cat, you still have cat, you still have ant. So maybe that's comparable, but, and you have Gobert, right? And the Lakers, obviously AD, and you have, um, uh, LeBron who you're putting up warriors, you have Steph. So I still think that, Maybe I'm gravitating too much towards star power versus like actual, like what the team looks like. But all of those teams have filled out their rosters in a way that makes a lot of sense around those stars. Specifically why I'm going to pick plant my flag and tell you I'm bullish on the Mavericks this year. I think they're going to be a lot better. Um, But yeah, I don't feel good about the Kings at nine, but they got to go somewhere. Uh, I had the Grizzlies at eight also, because I just think, you know, they weren't special without Ja last year like they were the year before. So I think twenty five games without him are gonna hurt them, especially without Brandon Clark. Who knows what's going on with Steven Adams? So
0: well, Steven Adams was know. the big
1: loss for them. I think that hurt them more than than
0: anything. Um all these teams, I mean, I, I'm I am give. I mean I'm giving a nod to the regular season a little bit too much, I know, because these teams will finish high in the regular season. But I think that stability carries into the postseason. I know last year was weird, like both those teams got upset, the Kings and Grizzlies. I just think that they're going to be better positioned. And I think all those other teams have so many question marks that, like the Mavericks, things could fall apart with with Kyrie. And I'm just banking in some of that stability to help them in the long run. That's, that's the explanation.
1: By the way, the Pelicans were the one seed last year when Zion was playing, and Ingram wasn't even there yet. So there's a world in which, who knows, right? Like, they get healthy for once, and their team is absolutely loaded. But I can make an argument
0: for every one of these teams like that. Like, Minnesota, I look at their late-season stretch. They have an argument for being a top-four team the way they closed out the season. Dallas, you know, when they're clicking, we know how good they can be. Clippers, every team, you can make that argument. Even the Thunder, I can make a top-five, top-six seed argument based on a given stretch. So
1: I... I get that logic. That's why this is like, I I can't remember. It's been how many years since it was this deep, but it's weirdly not that deep with what I would consider true title contenders. Yep. That's the strange thing. The middle class here is so talented. Like us debating about like the Pacers and the freaking Hawks and all that stuff. Like to me, the West three through 10 blows away the East three through 10.
0: Yeah. It's going to be a war of attrition. It's really going to be who gets injured, who doesn't. And I know that's the case every year, but I don't know. All these teams feel like they're teetering. And you could see yeah. like you said, they could
1: be as high as three or ten in this tier right here. And Utah right now still seems like they're on the outside looking in, but they just went and made an acquisition with John Collins and yeah. a couple good they're, rookies. They're competing. So I don't think that they're gonna be heartbroken if they don't make the play in. But if you if even if you put them aside, you have eleven teams, one of which won't even make the freaking play in, two more which won't make the playoffs all of whom expect to do that this year. Um, there'll be varying degrees of disappointment, right? Like if the Mavericks make the playoffs and they lose round one, that's a disappointment. Yep. Whereas if the Thunder make the playoffs and lose round one, it's probably not as much as so. True. Um, the Timberwolves, now you're in year two. You somehow f- managed to push your way into the playoffs last year after like the ridiculous go bear trade, but they could easily take a step back or does ant turn into MVP level player and suddenly they're a different animal. Who
0: the, knows? The the problem with them is the cat cat is f- his future with the team. If things don't start smoothly, he can easily be moved. And it was reported today that Nas Reed had an offer. So he signed three for 42 with Minnesota, but he had an offer for four and 60 with, uh, I forget who a different team. Um, And the the reading between the lines is that, hey, he took he's continued to stay with the Timberwolves behind Cat and Gobert, maybe because he thinks there's an opportunity for more minutes, maybe he thinks the Cat situation doesn't play out. Uh, And so Cat gets moved and he becomes kind of thrust into that spot. So I don't know. I think with them, there's a lot of I think if things start rocky, they may make a panic move and try to move towns in order to improve the roster. That's why I'm putting them lower.
1: Trading towns would make a lot of sense. One, it's the only way to build up the asset cabinet again. Two, it unlocks the weird fit. Like the best case scenario, we've thrown out the trade cat for Trey like a while ago, right? You move DeJounte the point. You get a bonafide big uh, with Atlanta. And in, in Minnesota, you get a point guard to run the show. <coughs> Excuse me. doesn't seem like that's happening dame for cat you could argue makes some sense but dame may just choose to not show up to minnesota who knows at this point he's got a one team list and the timberwolves are not anywhere close to it so yeah i guess they'll start the year with it and then maybe maybe they talk Knicks, right maybe it's rj barrett quickly and like five firsts and they go that direction nope um you know but that doesn't make them better necessarily to your point this year um now I was read things interesting. They obviously can't play all three of those guys, or I don't think they're going to try. They can certainly play two of the three because two of the three can shoot, um, which is key. But is it going to be able to defend? We saw a lot of issues with them last year, especially um, you know early in the season before Cat got hurt. When they got when he came back, they were better, but they weren't guns blazing better. They were a little bit better. Yep. Um, I would say the one that has the most variance here to me, I put the Clippers at three. That's clearly too high from where they're likely going to end up. But healthy PG, healthy Kawhi in the playoffs, complete. I understand that's like asking for a shooting star. But if we get that in the playoffs, I, I really still think that they are, you know, one of a handful of teams that has the top end talent to beat the Nuggets.
0: So I agree, right? Like, and I, I mean, look, I put the Lakers at three. And obviously that's contingent on Anthony Davis health, which is never there. My worry is it's not even just like, a, oh, will Kawhi be healthy? It's like I have concerns that his knee is just it can't with like yeah. Anthony Davis. I can believe him going into a season playing 82 games now, and he's young enough that despite his injury history, I can see it. I don't know, even know if Kawhi can be the same guy. I know when he was healthy, he was still the same guy, but the, those times are becoming more and more infrequent. So. Why are we all of a sudden assuming he can play 60 games this season? Like, why is it going to change now? So, I, Paul George, sure. I don't see it from Kawhi. Harden might be a Hail Mary move for them, but it's hard to justify them at three. Maybe they're at the five, but I don't see them being higher than four or five.
1: Really good point. Um, Kawhi's knee, he played two games of, like, a ton of minutes in the playoffs and then went down. But he also played, like, pretty much every game down the stretch, sim- similar to Anthony Davis. So I don't know if it was just a freak incident or what, but last two times he's been in the playoffs, he's been knocked out with knee injuries that have required surgery. So what can you say? Um, he's going to break PG- down at the
0: end of the season. So at that point, if we're talking about contenders, I just can't take them that seriously if I don't trust him to
1: go the full distance. PG didn't even make it to the playoffs last year. Yeah. So, you know, um, did you see that Jerry West quote was basically like, on pg's podcast i was like you guys can't just like not play like you have to show up oh i didn't see that actually yeah oh, it was awesome he interviewed jerry west which is an amazing get for paul george's podcast but he was basically like you can't have these two superstars make all the money you guys do whatever and just like don't show up
0: out of all the player podcasts which there are too many now um yeah his is good his is good i think it's the best yeah. one
1: um do you count like former players like Gilbert Arenas or JJ Redick or just current ones?
0: Former, former too.
1: Um, Gilberts create some waves sometimes, but it's usually them uh, clowning around and making like terrible takes. And it's yeah, these guys are appearing on all kinds of podcasts, man. Like uh,
0: you know the Draymond on Andrew Nicholson was that his name? Andrew Nicholson, like the former player
1: for like yeah Saint
0: Bonaventure, yeah. Who was drafted higher than Draymond, and Draymond was like, oh yeah, that guy was a scrub, blah blah. blah. And that made the waves, right? Then Andrew Nicholson showed up on some random podcast, and that became a story of his response to Draymond. I'm like, dude, what are we talking about now? Like Andrew Nicholson defending himself. I was like, why is this making like the
1: We the desperately, news? desperately need the NFL to start so we can uh, so we can um, you know move on from the Andrew Nicholson creating waves on the X, not on Twitter, by the way, on the X, on the X. Yeah. Um, all right. Before we go, quick recap of your trip to Vegas. You saw Victor Wembanyama's first game. Unfortunately, you did not see his second where he rebounded. But what did you take of his performance and then the overall vibe there and just like first time experience in Summer League?
0: Uh, it was cool, man. Um, there was a lot of hype around that game. I like we got there early and the lower level was packed. It's unlike any Summer League that I mean, I've never been in another one, but apparently, it is a big spectacle. Um, I had, I took a bunch of notes of the games and you know what the funny thing is? I had all these observations from those first set of games and over the course of summer league, you can throw half of them out the window. I think Wemby a lot of concerning moments, uh, in that first game, but then he had a really good bounce back. Same thing with, uh, what's his face? Cam Whitmore. After that first game, I was like, this guy, I understand why he slid. He ends up winning MVP of summer league. So, um, I think a lot of these guys, I think Scoot was definitely the most fun to watch for me. He just, there was an it factor to him and the way he moved that just was tantalizing. I was like, this guy, I know Bill Simmons is it talks too much about Scoot and hypes him up too much, but you it really felt like that watching him. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I'm not going to go into all my, I think overall it was a cool experience. Um, I only stayed for two days. Some of the guys stayed for another day and they actually ran into a lot of players on that third day. I didn't have that uh, experience. I don't think I was in the right like we weren't hanging out in the right hotels. Apparently they're all at the win. I'm shocked that you guys weren't at the right places. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, where why aren't they walking around Planet Hollywood? Um <laughs> But overall, actually what I liked is the media. Like I recognize so many like I walked by J.E. Skeets and oh, nice. okay. Kings podcasters, brought you know shoulders with them. I saw the Kings radio guy at the King's Summer League game. So you you see and then you see a lot of random old players like Jordan Farmar was walking the halls and dapping people up. So a lot of random names and a lot of diehard NBA fans and like you could tell like the fans there are like not the typical fans that show up to a, a normal NBA game, you know, who like your are casuals wearing the jerseys of the stars. You've got like the, the nerdiest of nerds like wearing yeah obscure jerseys you can tell that all these guys play sporkle in their free time yep um, yes, sir so it's cool just, It's cool being a little bit today by the way savvy
1: basketball crowd
0: so I'll, I'll stop there but it was it was fun man it was good it was cool being there just
1: for basketball and um yeah i know i'm bummed to have missed it but we can always make the second trip to vegas this december for the uh for the um in-season tournament or nba cup Man, final, we didn't even we get even to met. that i yeah, want yeah, the record to show
0: about... i think it's going to be a massive success
1: and i'm so so excited
0: about the in-season tournament
1: i think it's going to be good and it'll be it'll continue to get better over time i think that's the important thing so 10 years from now it'll be way more exciting than it is year one and i think year one as long as fans know which games are which which they it sounds will. like they figured out a way to do so And as long as players seem to be motivated to win it because they want to go beat their buddies or whatever, even if they don't care about the 500K, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, We just need the semifinals and the finals, which are kind of the main parts of the tournament that are like their own thing. We need those two games, the teams to go hard. You know, if they don't go hard in every group play game or whatever, it'll but be okay. But I, I it'll hate be when people
0: say that they're going to go hard, man. It's a regular season game. This isn't the All-Star. Everyone thinks in their mind it's going to look true. like the All-Star game.
1: That's it's going to look yeah. like
0: a uh, Tuesday night in basketball. And I know everyone says no one cares about the regular season. These guys still play hard in the regular right, season. Right.
1: It's like if you enjoy watching NBA, yeah, you'll enjoy watching this.
0: Exactly. This isn't the All-Star. Everyone keeps imagining the All-Star game where these guys are just walking it up the
1: court. So it's basically the semifinals and the finals need to be like kind of teed up.
0: Yeah. Th- those will feel like your marquee. Like, you know, those like Thursday night, like Bucks Sixers, those games have a little extra oomph to them, even though it's a yeah, regular yeah, season.
1: Yeah. It'll yeah. be like that. Okay. I'm with you. I'm excited for it. I Look. Let's say the Wizards sneak into the, you know, Bilal Koulibaly is suddenly hitting shots from her and he they sneak in. They're going to be playing for their lives out there. See, here's
0: the thing. The NBA has to fix it so a pretty good team wins because if a random scrub team wins, no one will take it seriously.
1: That, I don't like, think that'll happen. It could be, like, I was just looking at our power rankings, for example, right? It could be that, you know, I don't know, the, the freaking, like, Trey Young just goes ballistic for, like, four games and they win or something. But even that, like, the Hawks aren't good enough to win four straight games against anybody, much less, like, best, better teams in the but, league. But,
0: like, early in the season, weird things happen, man. Remember, the Pelicans were freaking murking everyone. Sure. And, like, they could win this whole thing based on and, what we saw uh, last group season.
1: group play games start early, right? It's yeah, in November. It's exactly. So. so. This is going to be what James Harden, I mean, look, he's not won an NBA title. What if him <laughs> or Russell Westbrook are like, I'm going to go win a Some of these guys can't NBA win. Cup.
0: Like, Chris Paul, even with the Warriors, he can't win this because it's just going to be like a.
1: shit we didn't even mention chris paul when talking to warriors uh i mean it's i
0: doesn't move the fact that we didn't talk about him says everything i don't think it moves the needle much
1: either way i'm excited to see him because i think the best role for him is off the bench but he's such a big force in the league and his persona and everything else and if he does make his way into the starting lineup like they're probably gonna end up benching looney there's no way you bench any of the other guys i think and that could disrupt things uh, on given nights. So I Natalie just like released. throwing
0: another ego into that mix. Not that he's a necessarily big ego guy, but
1: uh, yeah, he is.
0: That I was, mean, he, he is. But guy. so now no, throw yeah. that in with Draymond and all of that. It's it'll be interesting.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, that's a wrap for us. Uh, we will be back. Who knows? At some point, like if there's a big trade with either Dame or Harden, I'm sure we'll come back and talk about it. We definitely got to come back in August for a review. And check in on the World Cup, uh, which is actually how this podcast started back in 2019, when the wizard, uh, not the Wizards TV USA got seventh. So I was thinking about the Wizards sucking. <laughs> Team USA sucked and got seventh, and then it wasn't until Tokyo where they resurrected and won the won the gold medal. Um, that's happening end of August. Uh, did you see our squad by the way? Do you know who's on it? I forget. I mean, it, like... it's pretty nice. It's it's Hallie and Brunson at the point guards it's uh, ant and austin reeves as shooting guards Mikel bridges uh cam johnson um uh Jaren jackson junior bobby portis walker kessler and oh Keegan? brandon ingram i was going to say who uh, oh, i've brandon Keegan's ingram sl- might be a- i don't think he gets on it but brandon ingram is playing and he's good so the starting lineup is basically going to be like ant ingram triple j and bridges are locked right and then it's going to be a question of whether they want Halliburton or Brunson
0: a lot of talent definitely a lot of talent I'm uh I'm still more excited to see Canada just because Canada, Canada looks
1: super talented too I've been on Canada for years and years they finally have everyone except Wiggins they're yeah. going to be loaded uh bummer that Jokic is out and Giannis is out so we'll see but Luka's going to play um Victor's out also but France is loaded up Spain's ready to go it's going to be fun
0: It'll be fine. But then the only thing is, like last, because of where we finished last and then where we ultimately finished the next year, I find it hard to take anything away from
1: this. Right. So, well, you're about to be all in on the NBA Cup, and what does that matter? So, oh, it's going to matter. Just wait. You think those guys are going to play hard? People play hard for their countries. Ben Ben Simmons isn't playing for Australia. No, I
0: I like international ball. I just hate how the ball just never swishes. It just, like, bounces. on the. It's like they play with a double rim or
1: something. Something is going on with the rim. It doesn't
0: feel, like, smooth.
1: I remember when I was ready to leave Dame in Japan.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) After that performance in in the Olympics. And then he came back, was terrible that season. I was like, all right, this guy's cooked. And then came back with his best year yet uh, this past one, so. Just like the power rankings, I continue to prove I know nothing about basketball. Um, but anyway, please rate, review, and subscribe uh, to Think It Thin Hoops. Please follow us on all major social media. So I guess we now have to have a new uh, brand on the X. That's going to be our summer project. Yep. Uh, try, to, try to tap into all the things that uh, Elon and the boys have cooking over there. So We might have to pay $8 a month to get the blue check. Yeah, honestly, it's our only way to... <laughs> to to fame at this point so anyway thanks again for listening for another season uh we look forward to talking to you shortly and 2324 is going to be here with that before you know it so thanks again